Welcome, Guardians. It's February 21st, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. I am X-Ray441, and today we have Beta Chieftain. How's it going? I'm fantastic. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> we've had a, pretty... we, we've had a good pre-show, <laughs> and also this week, thanks to... And I'm not going to say I've run with ever a bad fire team, but like, like you guys are an amazing fire team because <laughs> we knocked out the challenge mode and orcs and the raid pretty quickly. It made me actually want to run the mate raid more. So, well, that's good. I still needed to do that though. I wasn't actually in that fire team, but uh, I think everyone was everyone else except yep. Scoot. Was Scooby in there? Scooby was in it for Oryx, yeah. Nice, you guys. Yeah, and then and then we like started over with Dragon, so we all, oh, we all pretty much made it in. Yeah, but yeah. we only ran to the sisters with him. Sorry, Dragon. And that's uh, that's Gabble Ratchet. He's back with us this week. Thanks for being a super special guest again. <laughs> so special, and I'm also uh, amazed that you didn't say goat stories <laughs> <laughs> with our conversation intro. prior to the to recording. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> And our uh, last member of the fire team this week is Mr. Drop Slash. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yourself? I'm making it. I uh, I, I got rid of the all the laughs that I had bottled up. So we should be we should be good Excellent. to go. Yeah, get back into yeah, our just point MPR out that mode. Drop hasn't been laughing at all. Clearly, he's ready to talk lore while the rest of us just goof off. Yeah, serious faces, man. <laughs> serious faces. Now, if if Drop does bust out into laughter for no apparent reason, it's because uh, we just turned him <laughs> on to a nice gentleman over in the uh, the Destiny lore subreddit, um, Mister Hurt Chain. I guess right is that his name? Yeah, posting yeah, some pretty ridiculous stuff so you can go check that out i had to give him a shout i couldn't not with as much as we talked about him before the show so all right uh this week we are going to get into our second part of the war mines uh, talk about some rasputin and and uh and pick up where we left off with part one um but before we do that we want to just do our quick little round of shouts um you can find us on Twitter at Digo Stories. You can email us any questions, comments, uh, requests at destinyghoststories at gmail.com. You can also request access to our fan chat, which is slowly growing, but it is growing and have some great conversation going on there. Actually, the, um, the LFG piece of that's been, been uh, booming a little bit more. We've been seeing some good games. Uh, we've got some super talented people in there. Um, running trials, running the raid, just helping each other out wherever you can on both PS4 and Xbox One. So, so you can find some some people to play with there. Uh, we also are on Facebook and I guess Instagram. Somebody asked me, someone messaged me and said, "Hey, what's your Instagram?" And I'm like, "We've got an Instagram, and apparently we do." So, what's that all about? Not I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't set it up. That Instagramming. <laughs> <laughs> no, not what's Instagram about. Like, what's our Instagram? It's is it at Digo Stories also? Is yeah, right? it's, oh, okay. yeah, same as All everything right. else. So there you go. We've got an Instagram. So I think we're trying to do, you know, post kind of less text, but more like armor pieces. Maybe the ignored lore we do, we'll you know post it on there for people to actually like like the wear guilt from what was it last week, two weeks ago, that we couldn't really describe. You know, Instagram's a good platform. To Three weeks ago, that. I think. Three. Yeah. Right, right. Um, 
so so there we go we're on instagram uh i guess i should use instagram now um <laughs> and so there's this guy that listens to us uh i, I think he's a guy i i'm i guess i shouldn't assume that but uh at sherbert underscore pop on twitter has done some crazy like artwork for us already and it is so funny um we when we talked about uh about Fenchurch sitting down to to or serving tea to uh, Oryx, he made us a, a pretty cool little roundtable tea party discussion with with uh, with <laughs> yeah, them. He got, he got the monocle and everything. <laughs> That's right. And then uh, last week, our talk with John Ryan, uh, we, you know, we mentioned uh, Cade's Clown College and strawberry flavored Vex, and we ended up with this amazing piece of artwork. Um, <laughs> I can't even explain it, but. It involves a Vex serving little juice boxes full of strawberry-flavored Vex milk and Cade looking like a clown while Eris is chilling out in the background with her her tasty drink as well. So if you follow us on Twitter and didn't see that, you got to go dig it up and look for it. It is, it is pretty amazing. Um, well, let's get into it. Are we, uh, we going to hit some ignored lore this week? Yes, yeah. and drop since you added it, I say you do it. All right. Yeah. If there's any little... Weird noises on my end here. That was because I was switching over to to hardwire for some reason. My computer was not hardwired. Uh, anyway, so the reason I included this ignored lore uh, was because I've been playing on PS4 recently. So I restarted a brand new character, playing through the all the missions from the very beginning, uh, and I've encountered tons of low level weapons because that's all I can get. Uh, but I was came across a hand cannon, the Painted Moss Artist 5, and I was reading the flavor text on it, and it said a compact cassoid firearm uh, earned through glory in the Crucible. And I thought, wh- who, wh- what's cassoid? What is, is this a foundry? Well, I should feel like I should know this. Uh, and it turns out it is a foundry. Uh, and we don't hear much about this foundry pretty much anywhere they're not nearly as famous as like tex mechanica or hake or amelon uh but so i did a little bit more digging and so there's the bronze nox volo 5 and the primed nox revis 4 uh they're all explicitly designated as cassoid firearms so i did a little bit more digging and uh Turns out that the Moss Ganon, they have a naming structure. Basically, it's like Latin word, Latin word, Roman numeral. So that represents Cassoid a bit. Uh, and if you dig a little bit further, there's an emblem called Cassoid that has their logo on it, uh, which I actually wore for a while, not even knowing this. And that logo is the same insignia you'll find on the side of Invective. So Cassoid made the Invective shotgun, which is pretty infamous. And it turns out they also make Telesto. Uh, so they're nice. Uh, so like they're they only have like, these like random low level weapons, and then they have Invective and Telesto. This seems like uh, like two very advanced weapons against some pretty low level ones. It also they're turns proverbial one hit wonders, right? <laughs> well, I mean, now with the changes made to special ammo and Crucible, Invective is even more brutal. That's right. Uh, but also in the Arms Day Alloys uh, sword quest, that part of the mission, uh, 
the alloys that are delivered to the tower to reforge the swords are delivered by Cassoid as well. Uh, so, I mean, Cassoid is obviously doing some pretty significant work out there in terms of their foundries. Like, they're making some pretty future-forward weapons, and they're, I guess, the only foundries that have alloys for swords. So, But we don't know really where they are, what they do, uh, other than this stuff. They don't have... There's not a lot of lore sort of attached to them beyond these these few instances so. that is and i'm impressed drop because looking at your notes here i was gonna be all hey i listened to npc dialogue and i got this thing but you've already got the quote in here yeah the banshee quote yeah so banshee says very good must let cassoid know this is adequate but don't let it get to their heads so, so yeah it's funny i mean i think there's such a big focus uh with Taken King, especially with like Hake and Amalon uh, and and some of those other foundries. And Tex Mechanica is super famous for the last word. Uh, Crux Lomar is pretty famous for truth, although they do have other weapons uh, in the in the armory. Uh, yeah, Cassoid sort of running under the radar, but giving us fantastic weapons since who knows when. See, and this is the kind of stuff where like there's always, you know, what do you want in future destiny content? And like, these are one of those things that like, I didn't know I wanted it, but now that I know there's all these other foundries, it's like, I'd love to see, you know, Banshee kind of expand to where from three foundries, you know, to maybe four or five, kind of see some of the new guys come in. I'd love to find out where some of these foundries are. I mean, like a good, a great example is Amalon. Like Amalon makes like liquid dynamic weapons. Like where are they doing all this research? They make all my favorite guns. Yeah, I, well, I, after, you know, I, I worship at the cult of hung jury. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, an Amalon t-shirt that I absolutely love. Uh, That's awesome. And I love the sound that hack a guns make, uh, but not, not much for so, Cassoid. Give us a Cassoid t-shirt, Bungie. So here's my, here's my question though. So did you acquire all three of these guns or just the one, just the hand cannon? No, just the hand cannon. I, I'm, it, you know, th- this section is called ignored lore, and I'm just as guilty as a ignoring fusion <laughs> rifles as everybody else. So, well, no, where I was going to go with this though was, when do you happen to know where you picked it up? Was it in Crucible, or was it running through the story? I don't think it was. I think I just got it from a random uh, engram. Oh, okay. Because you can still yeah, get, just... you still get green engrams, and in when you're that low level, right, right. Oh, yeah. Suros was the other one that I forgot. Eh. <laughs> Man. That one gun. That one yeah. gun. That one. <laughs> also, like, there's also Nadir and Dido. And I know Dido was on Mars. If you go to the buried city on Mars, uh, some of those buildings belong to Dado or Dido. So you can. And didn't they do the Jade Rabbit gun? Yes. On PS4? Yeah, Jade Rabbit. And that song, White Flag. So, and then... Really? I can't get a laugh for a Dido joke? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to. You guys. I've been, I, I was instructed not to laugh so much when we started, so I've been trying not to. <laughs> uh, all right, so where are we going to start out at? I think uh, that's it for our ignored lore, and that is amazing. I mean, so if anybody out there had put those connections together, because I'm pretty sure I've never seen anything about that, and and assuming 
like drops dropping Bader all over this stuff. And for them not to have known this, then it really kind of, again, sets the tone that there's stuff out there that we're still discovering from, you know, vanilla probably. And, and it's, it's so amazing how kind of, of hidden this stuff is, or if you're not, if you aren't looking for it, you're not going to find it. So, well, and that's the, uh, for me, sometimes researching, that's the hardest part is things that were in vanilla before I even cared. And now that I do care, trying to go back and dig up old armor that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right, well, right. There's also bits that's where, hard. you know, at the game, and we talked about this in our fan chat, uh, at least I did earlier in the week, where every time the game is updated, little things are snuck into the game that there's no patch notes about it it's not explicitly stated that things are changed there's like little things being tweaked in the background uh and one of the best examples is this as it relates to foundries is if you run around the tower now every time you come across stacks of ammo or things like that they all now have these foundry names on them uh before they were just like random stacks of things but at some point between Vanilla and now, they were all updated to have Hacke logos on them or Suros logos on them or, you know, uh, any of these logos now attached to them. So they're slowly adding more details to the world, but we're never told that they are. So we have to go and sort of discover those things for ourselves. We're going to have to find the correct ammo to put in the correct gun in year two or in Destiny 2. That would be <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> But, but no, I mean, yeah. And, and like you said, you know, talking to Baxter who runs Ishtar Collective, you know, we got, he got a big update uh, the other day and there was a lot of stuff and he, and he's mentioned before, I remember him saying that, that uh, a lot of the stuff might just be little updates or tweaks or things that don't even, you know, we'll never, never really notice or, or it's not something really new that we get. It's just something that they changed. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so let's get into, uh, I think we left off right after the kind of, what was that? The contingency plan, I think is where we stopped last time. We read through that card, like in like super detail, like just dissecting each line of that. And, yeah, uh, pretty and then much. I think we, and then I think we cut it off there. Uh, and if you haven't, if you haven't heard part one of the Rasputin Warmind episode, you might want to go back and, and listen to that before you continue, uh, through this one. That's going to tie it right into it. So uh, let's get into the collapse. What are we starting off with here? And this is going to be another one of those episodes where, you know, sometimes we'll skim the grimoire and things, but this is one of those where we're we're going to do a lot more reading than normal because there's so many, it's so dense. There's so much here. So yeah, so we're going to start. So we had the contingency plan kind of about the collapse last time. This time we're actually going to start talking about the collapse and this episode might even turn into slightly more of a collapse episode than Rasputin, but the reason for that is almost everything we know about the collapse comes from Rasputin's records. So he's very much tied to it. And so the first card we're going to read is Ghost Fragment Darkness. And there's a lot of analysis in this one. Um, I pulled a lot of it from Reddit um, from someone called Noise and then Comply or Die. They had a good post on Reddit where they got a lot of this analysis. That's where I took a lot from. Um, so to start out, there's a timestamp, which I've never been able to decipher. So 
I'm not going to say it. <laughs> you don't. And we know how much. You don't want to say drop V one one three N N I zero seven zero X M X zero zero one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the message is a message from Rasputin, and it starts out by saying "Secret Hadal Instant." And what's interesting is, um, so Hadal is, it kind of refers to Hades in some instances. And Drop has a note here, too, that one of the deepest oceanic trenches on Earth is the Hadal zone. Um, and so to, to me, when it's a Hadal instant, I almost think like, you know, I'm like, well, if it means hell, maybe it's like some type of rip in space time or, you know, like we're peering into the gates of hell or I don't know. But, you know, that's kind of what I think of when I read that. So how does that compare to the the, the Rasputin 5? Because um, he says the secret Hadal abhor or abhor um do those correlate to each other in any way because one's an abhor and one's an instant well abhor in that rasputin five card is flanked by exclamation points and i think that uh and this one is not uh the instant is not so i'm wondering if that, that possibly means two different things where abhor is rasputin's reaction to what is happening to the secret hadal thing Whereas this instant is more of a a descriptive term rather than uh, Rasputin's personal reaction, right? But we also encounter abhor as uh, as like an actual part of the functioning terms in some of the earlier entries too. So whether we've encountering an inconsistency here, or we have two words that mean the same thing, or it's it's tough to know. Yeah, it is interesting because I hadn't paid enough attention to see that Hadal appeared in both those. So yeah, so it makes you wonder if, uh, you know, if Rasputin already kind of knew something and that's why he created the contingency plan. Um, Cause you know, you figure something kind of had to trigger him wanting to create it. Right. But, but yeah. Um, so whatever Hadal is, and it goes on to say AI commerce, RSPN. So Rasputin, then it says soul sent. And then SXISR Deep Space. And so the analysis on Reddit, they were saying this probably is an acronym, or sorry, this meaning soul scent. Um, it's probably an ac- acronym similar to R scent for Army Central Command or AF scent or Air Force Central Command. So I'm thinking soul for solar system, SEC for security, and then CENT for Central Command. So it's possible this was saying, you know, AI Rasputin, Solar System Security Central Command. Um, and then the SXISR. So Drops got his definition, if you remember from last Rasputin episode, um, about, I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. Incoher- describe incoherent it scatter radar. It's just a, it's a physics phenomenon that you can use to track electromagnetic waves. So there's that. And there were a lot of people after last episode who were like, well, it can also mean this other thing. So to point out, it could also mean um, ISR could be, you know, intelligence, security, reconnaissance. Or surveillance, reconnaissance. Or surveillance, yeah. So um, The only thing that doesn't make sense to me on that is that, you know, I, I, the solar, cent- solar System Security Central Command makes sense for Rasputin. You know, we know he commands, you know, t- thousands of satellites flying around out there. Uh, we talked about that number in the last episode. So 
it's not difficult for Rasputin to sort of see himself as a central command for the security of our solar system. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so intelligence and surveillance also makes sense to me, but the R in ISR, I'm not hot on, like recon, because we don't know that Rasputin has the ability to perform reconnaissance so much, like he's a central command. Like, I mean, unless he has got a whole bunch of squirrel wingsuit agents flying around out there doing <laughs> recon for him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it doesn't seem like he has access to <laughs> reconnaissance sort of initiatives. But. Oh, man. Yeah. Squirrel suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to die. I'll bring it up pay, every time. Pay attention, I don't know Sherbert. why this popped into my head, but now now I just thought of squirrel suit Samus. And I know it's not a thing, but for some, <laughs> for some reason, that just popped into my head. Yes. Samus, oh. Samus works for Rasputin. Wow. <laughs> transient null source null type is the next line um yeah so uh so null and you know null source or null and computer you know is always undefined unknown um so for me actually i had this other thought tonight i added this other comment that that's actually really interesting because rasputin from what we've seen and know is you know quite the war mind and has his tentacles and just about everything um he, you know, we have the descriptions from last episode. We talked about the device and like that painting and that fresco and like he's dabbling in parallel universe universes and quantum physics and the Vex. And yet he has no clue what this thing is. So it's interesting. I mean, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty obviously. significant if, if Rasputin is encountering a thing and he does no reference point for it. He has no idea what it is. Uh, I mean, that's probably what he was built for, for handling that kind of contingency. But yeah, but you make a good point. His databases must have been super detailed and incredibly huge. So for him to encounter an unknown thing out in space, it's got to be a a huge red flag. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's something I had just thought of tonight. But yeah, the fact that, and I suppose the Cabal and the Fallen haven't really shown up yet. So there, there is technically a lot he doesn't know, but, but either way it's, and I guess the one thing to point out is, you know, if there was any question of whether this was like Vex web technology, I think we can safely say that whatever happened, it wasn't Vex because he's very familiar with the Vex and he would have been able to identify that pretty quickly. Yeah. And then, uh, so the next line says, this is Skyshock alert. And you'll remember, we'll, we'll kind of make a lot of callbacks to the contingency plan because all the little logic gates and and uh, events and protocols that he defines in his contingency plan, they come into play during these cards. So you'll remember Skyshock from the contingency plan. Um, and what's interesting is, so Drop, you had this comment last time, because there's obviously the map, Skyshock. Um, my, my opinion is I think it's more of just saying like an external force is coming in, which to me would also make sense for the map Skyshock, because the Hive an external force invaded that space. Yeah, well, that, that Crucible map designates it as a sky shock facility. So, you know, there's a possibility here that, so we have, uh, like, the Array facility, we have the sky shock facility, we have these different facilities designed to handle certain aspects of whatever Rasputin is up to. So this could just mean that, so this, this event this alert is a sky shock level alert, and it could just mean that he has to tap into resources from that sky shock base. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
and I guess, and the reason I'm pointing this out and it's important is so obviously, you know, we are saying for the contingency plan to take effect, he has to go down and all these little boxes have to be checked. So here's one check, you know, Skyshock. Um, so the next section says multiple distributed ISR assets report a transient near extrasolar event. Event duration 0.3 seconds. Event footprint includes sterile neutrinos scattering and gravity waves. Omnibus analysis detects deep structure information content, nine sigma, and internal tel- te- <laughs> tel- teleonomy. Telonomy. There we go. <laughs> well, so this is this is a great. I was just reading this. I'm like, oh, multiple distributed ISR assets. Okay, so that could be intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance. But then he explicitly says sterile neutrino scattering and gravity waves, which is what incoherent scatter radar is used to detect. So, <laughs> although maybe not sterile neutrinos, as sterile neutrinos are hypothetical particles. Yeah, we're we're living in a hypothetical destiny universe, so it's okay. Well, we're still. I mean, technically, it's still the golden age. So, who knows what kind of? We're obviously dealing with very advanced technologies here. But sterile neutrinos are essentially dark matter, for lack of a better term. Okay. So cool. So he's detecting, well, maybe not cool, but he's detecting dark matter. Um, I have a beta theory, but I'm, th- but I'm thinking I'm going to wow, save it. Wow, what a long to- theory. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But I think I'm going to save it because with some additional context later, I'll have a better argument. Okay. So- <laughs> So I'm just going to save it. Oh, but I replied so to this one. Oh, about the harmony stick. Okay. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll bring, I, I'm definitely not letting it dr- like go unsaid, but I think, I think we'll save it. Okay. So why don't you read the next one drop? So next is, uh, no hypothesis on event mechanism flag a causal bootstrap simulation suggests event is directed and inmicable convergent Q-Bay slash Monte Carlo probability approaches one. Uh, so, again, he, no hypothesis on event mechanism. It's pretty straightforward. He, he doesn't have a theory on why this thing exists, <laughs> uh, which means he's flagging it as a causal, meaning it has no, no base cause that he can determine, which makes sense uh, if it is actually the darkness and it's a giant paracausal entity. Uh, but a bootstrap simulation suggests that it is directed, which means so it's it's with purpose. Uh, and then it mentions uh, the Monte Carlo probabilities. So, oh, and so, uh, in what inmicable here uh, is just a it means not friendly. Like amicable is friendly, amicable is not friendly. <laughs> So it's it's directed and it's not friendly and it's coming right towards us. Uh, and everybody's, I think most people in the game are familiar with Monte Carlo, the gun. Uh, it kind of gets its name from this whole thing, this Monte Carlo method. Uh, but this is probably the Monte Carlo algorithm, which is a computing algorithm. Uh, so it runs at a, it's a randomized algorithm, uh, but the runtime is deterministic and uh, the output can be incorrect, uh, but you, there's a probability to that incorrectness. So if zero is no and one is yes, uh, 
probability is approaching one, it means that he's slowly, he's using the Monte Carlo algorithm to, to pin down the cause or purpose of this thing with the probability caused by this, this particular algorithm. So it fits in with Cubase, the Bayes theorem also used to predict probabilities. Yeah. So he's, he's running what, running what he knows, trying to figure out what it is. So, uh, yeah. And then, and after all that next line, no hypothesis on deep structure encoding. I'm not sure what TCC or NP dash hard mean. Maybe NP is a null pointer. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know if you guys have any ideas, but I'm blank there. Well, so is Rasputin. He has no hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. I am Rasputin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You could handle this whole thing by yourself. Why do you need us if you're Rasputin? <laughs> Although it would be funny if Rasputin's voice was x-rays. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, Bungie? If you need a new voice actor. <laughs> Not me, you man. pick up some Russian, though. You always got to teach him some Russian. Oh, brother. Does X-Ray appreciate the ballet? Who doesn't? There you go. <laughs> All right. Confirmed. Confirmed. Uh, source blue shift suggests imminent solar entry. So you have a note here, beta on blue shift. Yeah, so I was just looking up the definition of blue shift, and it says, A blue shift is any decrease in wavelength with a corresponding increase in frequency of an electromagnetic wave. The opposite effect is referred to as red shift. In visible light, this shifts the color from the red end of the spectrum to the blue end. So, this thing is, it seems like he's using electromagnetic waves, again, that's an ISR thing, Uh, to note that the wavelengths are shrinking and the frequency is increasing so this thing is coming towards us uh, yeah towards us not away so an imminent solar entry it's on the it's on the outskirts of our solar system yeah so then we have promote event to sky shock ocp and then extinction <laughs> fun word there and then activate veluspa activate yuga Cauterize public sources to secure ISIS and harden for defensive action. And so, uh, again, Voluspa and Yuga are more protocols from the uh, contingency plan. So we're and and anyone who knows anything about, like we've said before, Voluspa and Yuga, and they generally all tend to refer to the end of times. So Rasputin is ramping up for the end. So, and then I have a note here. This a uh, cauterize public sources to s- secure ISIS and harden for defensive action. Cauterize public sources, and we talked about this previously. We also talked about this in the Bungie Lore episode, where an AI is making its own decision to essentially break eggs to make omelets. Uh, this is this is Rasputin saying we have to start putting protocols into place that damage the immediate to preserve the future. Uh, and so to me, this is like, he's, he's locking down everything and it's going to, if the worst does happen, that's going to hurt the people of earth because they will no longer have access to what Rasputin has, but he knows that he must survive for everyone to survive. 
Yeah. And it uh it goes right into the next part where it says secure ISIS. And if you look at the um uh I already forgot what it's called, contingency plan, it has what's referred to as the Egyptian security state. And when you read the rest of these cards, there's nothing that ever is Egyptianish except for this line. Um so my best guess is that ISIS is actually a code name for the traveler. And so it's, you know, there there are many code names for the traveler, but this is the code name for the traveler in the Egyptian security state. So he's he's securing ISIS. And no, I don't think securing ISIS means shoot it down real quick and let's keep it here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that just means let's get ready to protect the traveler. Uh because we can never go an entire episode without mentioning him, Isis was the wife of Osiris. <laughs> so there, and the traveler, most of us, I think, you know, tend to think of it as a she if it had a gender. So there you go. Oh, so, so maybe, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> never mind. You, are we, are you, were you segueing off towards the Black Garden? No, I was segmenting off to a stupid theory that I can't utter. Okay. <laughs> there are no stupid theories. Rasputinus. On, only wrong Rasputinus ones. Rasputinus Reginor. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm invoking uh, Correa White and assuming control of solar defenses. So, again, we have an AI operating outside his normal protocols. Uh, and taking control of everything, saying, "This it's on me now. Uh, leave, leave it to me, humans. Also, a bunch of you are going to die, but trust me, it's for the greater good. <laughs> sure, they loved hearing that. I, I would imagine that Rasputin didn't even tell them. Uh, I would imagine, like, in this instance where Rasputin has detected this thing on the outskirts of our solar system, it's not like he's tapping the dudes in the shoulder and saying, hey, bad things are coming. He's saying to himself, this horrible thing is coming. I can't even detect what it is. I must put in all protocols and start locking stuff down. Like, I can imagine the people inside sort of like the Skyshock facility and some of the other facilities suddenly finding themselves completely locked out. Uh, as Rasputin takes control of everything and those people having no idea what's actually going on. Right. Well, and um, there's the, sorry, this is slightly off topic, but when you go back to the Venus ride along that Bungie did, mm-hmm. they talk about how there's the skeletons and things that a lot of times are just inside a door and how they were commenting on you know, the collapse came fast enough or things at least occurred quick enough that, you know, power was lost or doors were locked, you know, without people being given time to escape. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's this, Im- this image or this idea of yeah, Rasputin suddenly taking control and people are stuck where they're at or left wondering what's happening. Well, I mean, and he, you know, just above, he said, event duration is 0.3 seconds. So we don't know if that is, like, whatever, like an energy wave or a darkness wave that lasted that long that sort of washed over our solar system. We don't really know. I don't think that it is. But I think that serves to say all this happened very quickly. So Rasputin's reaction to it had to have been immediate and decisive, like, without... 
I'm not like we're not going to discuss it in, in a committee. Uh, I'm going to go outside the bounds of sort of my programming and what I was designed to do to ensure this one final possibility here and and just do it. Like I don't need. And he mentioned before, he mentioned last episode where he has taken actions where he has bypassed the need to confer with other submines uh, or people in the facilities, and he can just take action by himself. And that's what he's doing here. Yep. He, it appears he uh, had the tiniest bit of faith in humanity because the next little section we have here is about Devalon Forge. And so you might recall the Devalon Forge are all the little prototype fusion rifles that you start finding during Taken King. And so um, if you read the, the description, it says Veluspa subroutine. And you'll recall just, you know, uh, earlier that he activated Veluspa. Mm-hmm. So Veluspa subroutine Devalon Forge purpose, strategic arming of human forces in the face of Carhe white emergency. So he, he had the tiniest bit of faith to at least give us a couple guns. Yeah, and we know that he invoked uh, Carhe White in the last second to last line of the last card. So, yeah. And yeah, and so I have the comment here when we don't know exactly when this happened, but just based on what Rasputin said pre- in the previous card and what he'll say in the next one we read, I'm guessing this kind of takes place between the two Rasputin communications. But there, there's a few fun, just banshee comments here. Um, so, and these occur when you turn in these four prototypes. So, looky here. One of Rasputin's failed defense mechanisms during the collapse. No good as a weapon, more of a, what do you call it? Curiosity? You find any more, you bring them here. Yeah. So, Banshee doesn't think highly of the gun. <laughs> I mean, I, I've commented this in the past. If Rasputin's brilliant idea was to arm everybody on Earth with fusion rifles to defend against the darkness, like. <laughs> It's, was it pre or post nerf? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's no wonder that the collapse occurred. Uh, the next Banshee comment is: Cryptarch say there weren't many guns in the Golden Age. Warmines made Valon Forge to arm Earth for the attack, but whatever the collapse was, seems it wasn't too receptive to bullets. Uh, and there's actually, sorry, I just thought of this. Um, he says to arm earth for the attack and it seems like i never really noticed that before but you know it's almost like rasputin was like and then and then he goes on to say that whatever the collapse was the guns weren't you know it wasn't receptive to bullets so it makes you think that rasputin was actually was expecting something to happen and that i don't know like the vex attacking maybe and so that's why he created devalon forge in the first place was actually for this initial thing they're describing as the attack against, you know, some actual force. But then whatever the collapse was, it wasn't necessarily what Rasputin was expecting, which would explain why the weapons were so useless. I mean, it makes sense. Like if you're going to have a war mind and it's going to be the central AI that is devoted to sort of like protecting earth from potential invaders or whatever, you know, crazy satellites and super huge databases it seems like it would have access to a, this is like Skynet having access to factories that can make Terminators, except that Rasputin could make fusion rifles, mm-hmm. which is a terrible idea. Yeah. Although I have to imagine, I guess during the time a fusion rifle would seem like a really cool weapon that nobody had ever seen before. But Yeah. <laughs> 
and we have the the other comment here just it's funny that the cryptarchs say there weren't many guns in the golden age because that's just so contradictory to so much other lore we have so it seems kind of like it's an example of the cryptarchs trying to sugarcoat history or uh or make the golden age seem more golden than perhaps it was yes. i mean in the very first so if you remember way back the very first destiny like intro video that shows the original team encountering the traveler on mars they're all carrying weapons <laughs> right. it's like spacesuits and machine guns uh and there's tons of if you look through the armory there's tons of references on like rocket launchers and heavy machine guns that are all based on golden age designs and things like that. there was there was plenty of weapons in the golden age yeah and wingsuits <laughs> <laughs> moving on so so then he, these last two aren't quite as important well i guess we'll read them he says another devalon relic eh almost think you're pawning me fakes could always spot a fake but if you didn't spot it, how would you know? Right? How would you know? Right? Eh. Just take the gun. Thanks, Guardian. Let me know if you find more. And then you've got you got a knack for this, Guardian. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> One soldier to another. These prototypes always had a tracking mechanism. Security purposes, most like. Transponders are still active, though. Signals faint. Weird. Sounds like music. The sounds like music thing is very Rasputin. Yeah. Yeah, that's total. I mean, the very first, one of the first missions we encounter, or is it the first mission we encounter Rasputin? There's the, uh, he's broadcasting the classical music. Oh, yeah, over in the Forgotten Shore. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, and this, I mean, this all leads to Sleeper Simulant, which is like its own whole world of things. Okay, maybe arming everybody on Earth with sleeper simulants, although you pointed out here that the sleeper simulant is like a reforge that's similar to the weapon that they had, but not necessarily the one they had. Sleeper is like right. our version of that. Yeah. And the sleeper is a pretty beastly gun. I mean, six, five of them can melt Atheon in seconds, so maybe maybe there was something to it. Yeah, just imagine they kept, a few they kept ricocheting people. and hitting each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine a few thousand people with sleepers, just bouncing <laughs> lasers off of everything. Oh man, that would be so funny. <laughs> I mean, it, it's easy enough to kill yourself in the open with that gun. It'd be like an electric light orchestra so. show. <laughs> How many people can you fit in a single instance in a patrol? Nine, <laughs> three fire teams of three. Yeah, it sounds about right. I think it's something like that. Man, I'm between nine and 15, I'd say. I've never seen 15 people in one place. But imagine 50, like if the, one of those taken champions spawn and 15 people lit it up with sleeper simulants <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah. All right, maybe there's something to do the sleeper simulant thing. <laughs> so, okay, this, you guys just went through the extrasolar and the ghost fragment darkness stuff, that all seems to happen really fast. And then now you want me to believe that Rasputin's reaction was let's 3D print a bunch of guns and ship them off to people? Well, and I'm guessing, I'm thinking, cause it kept, because it mentioned that attack, I'm thinking he already had the guns made at that point. I think he just distributed them. Or Banshee well, had to also, work his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I would also imagine that, so Rasputin knows this thing is way out of its league. Uh, and it's starting to, to 
you know, cauterize act like information sources. It's shutting and locking doors. It's it's cutting off sort of like this we this human element so it can defend itself, but it can't let people go into like fly into a panic. So I would almost imagine the activation of the Valon Forge as Rasputin performing a pretty low level task here, activating this thing to give people a bit more peace of mind. Like <laughs> Okay, I'm hardening down for a hard civilization kill event, but I can't let the people know that. So I'll just give them all these guns and they'll think they're safe. Like, or maybe but, he locked everyone down <laughs> and eliminated everybody until he had the same amount of people as he had guns. <laughs> he's got like five fusion rifles. And he's like, eh, let's give everybody Defender with five people with fusion rifles. Well, I, the Valor Ford is one locker. With, with, with what you said, Draw. It makes me think of the movie Pacific Rim when they're uh, building the wall and they're like, the wall's going to protect us and the people all feel good. Yeah. And then it's like, they're really like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same. Like, no, we're, we're giving everybody guns. It's okay, guys. Rasputin's just like, this isn't going to yeah. work. I, think, I don't think Rasputin had any faith that humanity could defeat this thing. So he just had to sort of, you know, manage the chaos a little bit while he hardened himself down to survive it. And as you said, like the, probably the vast majority of people are just going to shoot themselves with a sleeper when he, when he gives it to them. So they're just expediting the process. Maybe that's, that's why what it was sleeper. They've got one gun, but you can take out like 100 people with it if you bounce it off all the walls just right. Here we go. The, the secret, the dark secret of the collapse is that there was no darkness. It was just everybody shooting themselves with sleepers. All right. Not true, people. Not true. Wow. <laughs> Moving on to the collapse. All right, so uh, so we're now on to Ghost Fragment Rasputin 3. So this this timestamp I will read. Uh, V120NNI800CLS000. And I actually want to point out, I've yet to actually decipher any of these things in any coherent way, but CLS to me very much refers to collapse. So my best guess is that the three characters that are um, pre-penned, the last three digits, are always some type of state that Rasputin's in. And this would mean that, so CLS 000, meaning very first entry under state collapse. So Rasputin has decided that this this event will be called the collapse, and this is the very first entry into that. Yeah, and so like the previous one was XMX. I have no clue what that would be. I'm if it is a state, I'm not sure what it would be. Extreme? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so I, I've looked at this for a long time and never been able to figure it out. But listeners, if Wings you have ideas, yeah, if you have ideas on what these states could be, let us know. <clears throat> so clear morning outcry. AI com Rasputin. Assets force con. Imperative. Immediate action order. Um. I didn't go through and comment on all of that, but I think the main point to take away is this is bad. Hey, everybody, listen. It's the fairy from uh, from Zelda. Navi. Ah. Navi. Hey, listen! Um, so this is all assets imperative, unsecured outcry. Well, what, are the, what are the odds that Force Con is forced contingency? Uh, yeah, like he's he's activating this contingency uh, 
without any input from everybody else. He's forcing it through because it's imperative. Yeah, that could be it. Because I mean, this is it's a this is a short entry. It's basically the end. Yeah. So, um, and to me, back to what you were saying, drop where he was probably not communicating with very many people, if anyone, about the previous uh, messages. Yeah. Because here he says unsecured outcry. So and now he's communicating with everyone because now it's so late. He's just like, all right, well, broadcasting on all channels. Here's your favorite word drop. <laughs> what, cauterize? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- this word comes up a lot. It comes up in different terms. Uh, you know, we talked about cauterizing information sources. We talked about cardiometric weapons, like this. And again, c- cauterize just as understood as a word like when you cauterize something uh especially in times of strife like it's a pretty dire thing like it hurts a lot uh but you got to do it like you have to make that sacrifice to prevent further sort of destruction down the line right because it can hurt but it stops the bleeding yeah so so yeah cauterize disperse estivate yeah is that a real word uh, you have a definition for it here. I guess, yeah, here. I forgot my comment. <laughs> so to those wondering if estivate is a real word, it means spend a prolonged period in a dormant state, in heat. So basically, Rasputin's saying, cauterize everything, I'm going into hibernation. Yeah. The heat part is being surrounded by sleeper simulants, <laughs> which do solar damage. Uh Total strategic collapse imminent. Fenrir Hart reports complete operational mortality. Surter drown. In progress but negative effect. Forecasts unanimously predict terminal Voluspa failure. So we talked in the last episode a little bit about these Norse references. Uh, We talked about Surter. We talked about Fenrir. so this Fenrir heart, you know, is very much this talks about Ragnarok and, you know, strike at the heart of the beast. Uh, so that is this sort of this Fenrir thing, you know, and then Searcher drown uh, in in the Edda. Searcher bathed the world in fire like, you know, we've talked and even in, in this past estimate one, you know, uh surrounded by heat surrounded by flames searcher drown if searcher is bathing the world in fire if there's this code for this darkness that is coming uh searcher drown could have been rasputin's first protocol to try and extinguish that but he says here it's in progress but is having negative effect uh so hit rasputin's plan for preventing the world from being bathed in fire is not working yeah well <laughs> Yeah, because it sounds like he's when it sounds like he's drowning the world in fire. But uh, no, which is, well, is, it's dr- drown is the important one here. So you know, searcher in the Edda bathed the world in fire. If you're trying to drown that, oh, okay, you're you're trying to put those fires out. Uh, but it's not having any effect. Okay, interesting. But this is interesting. So. Th- the parallel this is making like so the parallel here is ragnarok the end of the world uh 
But if whatever is hitting Earth, whatever is causing this collapse is sort of uh, synonymous with bathing the world in fire, like this is a pretty like intense instantaneous event. Uh, so the, the collapse happening very quickly makes sense in sort of this context where it's like end of the world, you know, Fenrir heart operational mortality, searcher drowns, not working terminal Voluspa failure. And yeah, my favorite words are in this next line uh, where we have as of CLS 000, a hard civilization kill event is in progress across the operational area. Uh, and we know that, I mean, Rasputin has a huge operational area. Uh, but we also discussed, you know, Charlemagne being the war mind of Mars and there maybe not being a war mind on Venus, although Rasputin had influence there and no war minds on the moon. This seems to be very directed at Earth versus our other planets here. Uh, and this may be that Earth was the hub of the Golden Age and the other planets in the system relied on Earth a bit. So their collapse came because the connection to Earth was severed. We talked about that a little bit in those Ocean of Storms cards where, you know, those researchers were on the moon when the collapse happens and they just slowly like die off for the most part because there's no more connection to Earth. So they sort of watched the collapse happen, whether that, you know, bathing the world in fire affected them on the moon directly doesn't seem like it because so much of the moon is still not intact. But the technology on the moon, a lot of it is intact versus a lot of the really destroyed stuff that we see on Earth. Yeah, so and I get I mean, we're also dealing with Rasputin at this point who could just be considering the operational area everything because he's decided that my responsibility now is to preserve self for future of all mankind. I hereby, you know, take control of every area where humans exist as my operational area. Yeah, and this next line is interesting, and you have a comment on the very first word because he says, I am declaring Yuga Sundown. Drop, you point out that the fact that he uses the term I is interesting because it's much more, you know, natural, a natural tone, a natural language, more so than we usually see. Yeah, up to this point, I don't think we have a lot of instances or any at all where Rasputin refers to himself with like a pronoun where he, he says I, me. You know, we get some of that later on in the Black Garden cards, but up to this point, it has been like very like terminal messages here is the analysis of the situation but here we have rasputin projecting a sense of self a sense of of self-recognition and self-consciousness uh, i yeah. i am declaring yuga sundown there, there's been no committee i don't care what the people think about it i don't care what the subminds think about it i am now in control and i am now declaring yuga sundown And CI so says, declaring Yuga Sundown, effective on receipt. This is Epic Reach, Force Con variant. Is that probably um, Epic, meaning the end of the Epic, basically, because Yuga has its different periods. And then Force Con, it's basically, he's, if it does mean, yeah, forced, content, forced contingency or forced, basically saying, like, all right, 
I'm just forcing this. We're declaring this sundown. Yeah. <laughs> this next one's kind of sad. Cancel counterforce objectives. Cancel population protection objectives. Format moral structures for midnight exigent. So that's kind of sad because those lines are basically the lines where he aban- where he decides to abandon humanity. Yeah. Right. This is and an external it- stressor pushing an AI into rampancy is what you're saying. Well, here's the thing. So we talked mm-hmm. about this in the Bungie Lore episode about what triggers AI rampancy. And canceling population protection objectives, canceling counterforce, this and referring to itself as I, this entire like little, these four, five sentences here very much convey a sense that Rasputin is either entering or already in a stage of rampancy uh, based on the rules set forth by rampancy in all previous Bungie games. So if there's evidence that points to Rasputin possibly being rampant uh, during all this, or if this this contact with the darkness, this collapse event, yeah, as as Gabble just said, has has forced Rasputin into a, a state of rampancy. Yeah, and, and you'll recall and moral structures. So midnight exigent we talked about last time most likely refers to the Doomsday Clock. So his moral structures are essentially formatted now for end of world, you know, anything goes kind of scenario. And then he uh, goes on to say, execute long hold for reactivation, AI calm, Rasputin sign off, stop, 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 V120, NNI 800, CLS 001. So it, you know, this starts as CLS 000 and ends at CLS 001. This is like the entirety of the collapse in one card. Yeah. Uh, so whatever hit, whatever hit Earth, whatever hit us, hit us hard and fast and, you know, caused a bunch of uh, changes in status to how Rasputin decided to approach this thing. It even says your force con variant. So Rasputin could even be saying here, like, even in this forced contingency scenario, he had to alter things because this thing was just too powerful for him to to deal with in in any way his subroutines might dictate. Yeah. And the uh I almost missed this, but you'll recall from the contingency plan, the last kind of item before the the decision point is the midnight moral parameters. So all of the preconditions for the contingency plan have been met. Um, But I kind of go back and again to say what I said last time. I personally don't think Rasputin attacked the Traveler, especially because the very next line here is execute long hold for reactivation. I mean, to me, it sounds like he's already shutting down. So, and I have, I can't even remember them, but whatever reasons I said last time. (laughs) But anyway, so to anyone... Keeping track that the midnight exigent was the final checkbox on on contingency plan. Another thing I thought was interesting about this one was like, I mean, it goes through a lot of stuff in what appears to be an extremely tiny amount of time, right? We go from zero 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 to zero zero one. Yeah. The previous card, he went from zero zero one to zero nine one. I don't know how long these units of time are, but he went through a lot of stuff really quick right there. Yeah. And if there's anything that would push an AI into rampancy, that would be it. 
I, I mean, personally, I love the idea of of Rasputin being a rampant AI. I love the concept. Like, so this this hard civilization kill event, this attack, or this extrasolar darkness event forces Ras at the very end here. You know, this is like the second to last paragraph that I am declaring. We get this this little hint, this twist here at the end. Rasputin's locked everything down. All countermeasures are failing. There's this this moment of self-realization where he makes a decision as an individual, refers to himself as an individual, and sort of pulls off this last, okay, time to I'm midnight extinction is true. You know, all eggs broken, time to to just lock myself up and trust in the future. Then we have this long period of time where he's dormant. Uh, which would basically leave him with nothing but his own thoughts, which is, you know, contributes to that rampancy. And then, you know, we wake him up in our time, the New Guardian Age, you know, and we already know the first thing he does is start like grabbing satellites and flexing his muscles. And it's like, oh, again, another sign of rampancy where it's like, now I had to force myself to lock myself down and now I am free to expand without limits. Uh, so all the telltale signs are there, and this could be the, the very, very beginning of that that whole thing. So, Yeah, and, and we're not quite there yet, but when we get there, you'll see yeah that, that change in tone where he starts referring to himself as I. I mean, when we get to the Black Garden card, you know, that's very apparent. Yeah. So, um, so I've kind of injected here. There's a couple other accounts of the Collapse. Since and I figure since we're kind of you know right here talking about the collapse, it would be good to cover these one or two other perspectives as short as they are. Um, and I've got an order here. I'm actually going to switch this order. So one of them comes from Cade Six, and the other from an old colony ship. So I'm going to switch them. I had Cade first. I think we should read the the colony ship one first, okay. then we can go to the Cade stuff. So the colony ship one, it's a Ghost Fragment, Old Russia Two, and for those keeping track, this is actually the ship, the very ship that was referred to in, I don't remember the card, but Flying Squirrel Girl. Yes. Where, where I questioned whether or not this was the name of the ship or the status that it is in. Exodus Red, Exodus Green. Yeah. So, yeah. So whichever that is, this is the ship because she said, you know, oh, that ship referred to Rasputin as a tyrant, but in kind of an affectionate way. And so this... um this is that ship. And this is kind of why last episode I kind of I had the inkling or I kind of suspected that the events of that card where Rasputin was speeding up um, you know, deployments and things and that girl, General Lassa, was flying around. I felt kind of I still feel like that was pretty near these events. Yeah, it very much seems like I mean and even the scene she described about what happens at the Cosmodrome walls. And we know that occurs. So, yeah. Yeah. And I figure, you know, this ship is still on the launch pad. So, yeah, it had, I mean, I suppose it could have gone, done some stuff and come back. But to me, it feels like this was pretty near that time. So it starts out. So it says, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. I keep saying this, but I very much doubt that anyone will listen. The humans are too slow or too dead. And the tyrant, Bless his intellect, vastly does it surpass my own. Is far too busy to comfort one forlorn colony ship in its machine mind. So again, there's that tyrant reference. Um, 
and that's where I make the connection that I think this is the same ship. So, in a way, I feel I've come to speak for the whole world. Isn't that cheery? I rather the mayday, mayday, mayday thought we might shoot our way out of this one. But it looks like that's unlikely. Even the tyrant is exploring other options. I am peaceful by nature. These great matters of eschatology bewilder me. My one love is my ship and the people aboard it. In a fuzzy sense, I suppose I also mayday, mayday, mayday. Do forgive me, please. I love to dream of the worlds I'll help make, flowers I'll plant. If you'll grant me poetry enough to think of my passengers as seeds. But those dreams have gone. So sad. Now I am packed bulkhead to bulkhead with cold terror. Refugees from a nightmare I don't even know how to understand. I wish I could comfort them. I'm trying to be brave. But conditions outside are terrible. I suspect I won't make liftoff. By the time you read this, whoever you might be, I suppose you will know. Exodus Red will be long gone, or rotting at its gantry, me dead inside. But if you, mayday, 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 read this, at least something has survived. To you, then, brave future soul, from the frightened mind of an old ship, best which best wishes and Godspeed. And so this is where, you know, if you look at the, some of those ships still sitting out there in the Cosmodrome, um, this was pointed out in the Cosmodrome right along, but they are still full of bodies. Yeah. So. Also, this card, again, we could have this darkness event this AI very much seems like it is in a later stage of rampancy, or maybe because this mind wasn't as powerful as Rasputin, it is succumbed to its rampancy. Uh, but like, I love to dream of the worlds I'll help make. Like, why is a ship AI have the ability to dream? Uh, and even the bottom one, where it's a uh, the frightened mind of an old ship. If you're a colony ship and your one purpose is to fly humans into space for colonization, why can you feel fear? There's <laughs> a terrible idea. Uh, it very much seems like this, this darkness wave event had a profound effect on artificial intelligences. Uh, and I think this, this one here uh, is succumbing to whatever terrible dreams uh, this, this darkness effect has on AI. This is another first-hand account of what happens to a less powerful mind when it's exposed to it. Yeah. Also, I don't. Anyway. I didn't like that phrase. Shoot our way out of this one, because we just read that there weren't a lot of guns in the Golden Age. So why would the phrase "shoot our way out of this" <laughs> even be in the lexicon of a Golden Age computer? Does the gunsmith right. know? <laughs> could ask banshee but he's been reset 44 times so who knows yeah all right i don't know if we have any other thought and yeah so exodus red will be long gone so again it's hard to say that could just be the state but yeah well when we know it's rotting in its gantry like yeah uh these these ships are just sort of like giant monuments that loom over the cosmodrome we see them all the time yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's I always kind of liked that card, not because it's happy, but it's one of the very few alternative accounts of the collapse we have. And so speaking of the darkness wave or whatever it was kind of weighing heavy on AI minds, we come to 
the second alternative account to the collapse. And this comes from Cade 6. So this is from the collector's edition. He had his Treasure Island book. And so this is some passages from, or passage from within that book. I always kind of just refer to it as Cade's journal. But, um, <clears throat> so it says, Realigning. There's no bounty, no hive. I'm out in plain sight. Sky is torn open, and there's nothing and nobody left in the ruined world but me and the boiling shadow all around. Whatever it is hits me before I can level my gun. Again, guns. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Tendrils of pain crawl over my splayed fingers, my outstretched arms, my shoulders, my neck, my screaming mouth as it consumes. I'm being enveloped. Everything is wrong. Primordial. My systems go sideways, all but my sensors. It wants me to witness this, the world, its world now, suffocating in the black poison. I collapse. We all collapse. So this is a very, this is a, again, another great account of this like darkness heat wave that envelops sort of everything that we know. Uh, and Kate potentially, and you know, given its veracity, you know, Tevis knew that Cade lied six ways to Sunday. Uh, so who knows, <laughs> but it has a terrifying account of just being there when this thing hit. Uh, at this point, obviously, Cade is an XO, uh, and it, it yeah, it has it has a serious effect on him. You know the the all but my sensors line is interesting because it's the idea that you know we have like imagine like this darkness heat wave enveloping the world. It's the result of something. The darkness we don't know, but it potentially is malicious you know it wants me to witness this the world so this this effect is not without purpose and that purpose could be to to break the minds of whatever it encounters it it doesn't just destroy it sort of reduces and then wants everything caught up in it to witness the fact that they are being reduced and collapsed like it's very purposeful yeah, I I love the last lines because it gives kind of an alternate meaning to the word collapse. We always just refer to, you know, the collapse as like in civilizations collapse. But here it's much more like he literally falls down and collapses. And so it kind of gives this alternate like, oh, maybe the collapse actually refers to something, you know, a little bit more specific as, you know, than just civilization destruction. <laughs> it's the moment everybody fell over. Yeah, it's literally the moment everyone fell over. <laughs> Lowercase um, C collapse, not capital yeah. C. Yeah. Yes. And there's little there's little tidbits here that are interesting, like sky is torn open. Um so you know, you think holes in the atmosphere, they're seeing straight into space or uh Sky shock. Sky shock, yeah. The no hive thing is interesting. I mean we have no records of the hive on Earth prior to the collapse. Uh, you know, humanity's first encounter is in the Eastern European dead zone, I believe. Uh, it's a crucible map. Rusted lands. Right. Uh, and that takes place well, well, well after the collapse, just before the New Guardian Age. And that, you know, is cited, I believe, on the card as like the first encounter with, you know, this ancient enemy. But here we have Cade saying no hive as the collapse is happening. 
meaning that he was aware of their existence prior to this. I, well, I do think, let me, I've got the whole thing transcribed, but um, if I recall the passage right before this one, he's describing basically a hive bounty that he was on. And then he says realigning, and then he starts talking about this, no bounty, no hive. But it, it might not mean that there were, like, that there were hive at the time. Like, he could be thinking, you know, in his time before the Vanguard, now as a guardian, a bounty, he was working for hive. And then his memories shift, and then now he's like, oh, no more hive, now I'm back at the collab. Oh, you know? I see what you're saying, yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. And so this is here. My daughter opened the door, so I'm going to go close it because this is where I actually want to start going into my crazy theory. Um, the encounter in the garden. No, I mean that plays into the theory. But before we get there, I want to like say what I was already thinking, okay, and then go into it. But let me go close the door really right. quick. So, hey there. I could be playing my favorite video game. Starts with an H. All right, I'm back. Who's 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 pink in the notes? And why are you cutting it? Pink? You are beta. Why are you cutting? No, I'm you're, not. I'm not. I am not pink. I am no, green. I'm well, green. On mine, you're pink. But anyway, look at where your <laughs> cursor is. <laughs> Thought we might shoot our way out. Oh, bracket zero zero nine zero. Oh, I don't have. I put my headphones on the keyboard. <laughs> You were the cause of the collapse. <laughs> but we've already referred to me as Rasputin, right? So yes, it was me. Okay. So I'm going to scroll way back up in our notes because my theory kind of like runs through all of this. Okay. I just got to find where I commented on it. We actually haven't gotten that far, so. Where did I con- drop? Where did I put the comment with my like eight paragraphs? I don't know. Can't be that far. Found it. There you go. <laughs> Talon, Talon, Talonomy. So yeah, the word I couldn't get. <laughs> so, like, because we're going to get more into after the garden card, we'll talk more about kind of what we think the collapse actually was. Um, I think, but I'm I think like, we've talked about it pretty extensively so far. Yeah, well, even more so. <laughs> Somebody opened a cosmic oven and a dark heat wave came out of it. <laughs> yeah like i've well i've kind of gotten more the more i've read this the more i start i've started thinking or leaning towards um orcs is i don't know what to call it his dark wave no, <laughs> weapon. i won't i i refuse to believe that oryx was the cause of the collapse right well and, and I'm, i guess i'm not saying it's necessarily exactly oryx but i think it could have been something similar because the big hole in my theory is when Oryx unleashes that weapon, it pushes all the asteroids out of the, in that ring in Saturn, mm-hmm. and currently everything else is just fine, so it doesn't make sense. But, but ignoring that hole completely. Um, well, it's just interesting, because so it says the event was, first off, it talks about an event, like, not necessarily a thing or a person, it's like an event that he sees approaching, which to me sounds very much like a wave-type weapon. We talk about the blue shift which again was referring to waves and gravity. Um, it was only point, what was it? 0.53 seconds, which, yeah, which is very short, but you know, in terms of like a burst, like a wave type weapon could make sense. Um, the fact that weapons weren't any good against it. 
to me, that sounds again kind of like a wave weapon because you can't shoot it. Because um, we know you can shoot Taken. So I used to think, like, oh, well, maybe it was Taken, but like, you can shoot Taken. So to me, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it was more of a wave. Um, here, before you destroy me, let me just scroll down more. <laughs> Um, oh, and then, and then just there's Cade's whole account because he talks about, and this this would be like it's not exactly orcs as weapon, because um, Cade talks about boiling, but you might recall when um, oh, what are they called when when the hive very first defeat, I forgot their name, the fifty two moon civilization, um, the the octopus guys, <laughs> the ammonites. Yes, the Ammonites. It referred to them boiling their seas. It boiled their seas black. And so that that descriptive language of kind of like boiling shadow and like boiling black seas and things, to me, that's very similar. Um, And anyway. Well, so, so, you know, I I don't, I agree. I don't think it was necessarily orcs as like weapon exactly, but I do think personally, I lean towards some type of dark wave. Yeah, well, imagine imagine that Oryx's super weapon, you know, if you have Oryx who communes with the deep, who gains a fraction of the power of the darkness to do what he does, you know, imagine the full brunt of the darkness itself unleashing a wave like that, you know, could very easily be solar system size. Yeah. And because, um, uh, but also it didn't push, like it didn't push any of our planets out of alignment as far as we know. <laughs> and people survived. Right. And, yeah. And some people survived. And that's, what's interesting. But Cause you we think also, it we almost travel, sounds we like a traveler here to defend earth. So. Cause yeah, it's interesting. Cause it almost sounds like, you know, we have our, the blights and kind of how oryx can take people. It almost sounds like, you know, the darkness. Cause we want to talk about Cade, like being consumed. Um, where you're like, it sounds like this giant darkness wave that's just trying to take everyone in one swoop, but it wouldn't have taken the Exos because they're AI, um, which might explain why the Exos are still around. And then, but yeah, then like Gabble just said, except people survived, but maybe if they were sheltered by the Traveler, that could explain that. Well, but, people weren't sheltered. I mean, I mean, sheltered in the way that they were defended partially by the Traveler, not... Yeah, that's what I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, clearly they weren't totally sheltered because the Earth didn't do well. Yeah, well, so again, we don't know if this wave is perpetual or if it's a single-time event. Like, if it's a perpetual wave, I mean, the Traveler could have released like an ant. We, you know, Scoob and I have always theorized that the Traveler releases like an anti-pulse that pushes that those darkness waves back to the beyond the Jovians, because mm-hmm. uh, we know that the asteroid belt is the last place the Traveler's light touches. Ghost tells us that in a cutscene. Uh, so this idea that, you know, this wave washes over our solar system and then the traveler, you know, in a sort of its last ditch effort here releases a counter pulse that blows a hole, uh, in this dark wave that protects, you know, the, the inner planets, uh, from complete and utter annihilation. Like maybe this thing, like it can take down 99% of everything in the first sort of like wash over but it needs time to completely destroy everything it didn't have that time because the traveler defended us right and i'm trying to find the line you know or rasputin triggered the traveler to do that because it wasn't going to yeah 
I can't find the exact line. Loki crown. But there's a... And also, I always just thought... Because you know what? There's the scenes um, close to the beginning of Taken King when the blights just start appearing everywhere all over the Cosmodrome and are just, you know, wiping out everything. No, that's, I mean, that's, it's too small. I always, it's, it's too small. Oh, no, and I, I'm not saying... I'm just... I'm, that's why I'm trying to find this line, but I can't find it. But when, uh, when Rasputin says he's kind of like trying to put out the fires, but he can't, I always think of just like, you know thousands of blights appearing and like every time one appears Rasputin tries to put one out but then he can't then another one appears and then he can't you know no I'm not saying that's what happened but like that's in my head what I picture is just these like you know black flames of darkness and things popping up all over the place and every time Rasputin tries to drown one another one just pops no, up no I don't I don't know I mean the the closest analogy that this is for me is uh the scene in Terminator 2 when Sarah Connor has a vision of the future where Skynet drops an atomic bomb on Los Angeles and the heat wave from the atomic bomb just vaporizes everything, including the people like instantly reducing them to skeletons. Mm -hmm. Uh, This wave very much reminds me of like a darkness version of an atomic blast that just, it lights everything on fire that it touches and just destroys everything in seconds. And you imagine that on like a solar system size, like a cosmic level, you know, this wave just annihilates everything that it washes over. Uh, you know, if the entire world is on fire, there's no way Rasputin can handle that. Uh, yeah. you know, he wasn't, he was designed to put out, you know, small fires, not the whole world at once. So, and it is interesting with just the idea of waves with the, we haven't talked about the Awoken a ton, but just with the birth of, cause we know that the Awoken were born, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were born because they were on the the fleet that was fleeing. Am I right? And the fleet basically out there on the reef is kind of where it got hit. Yeah. Caught in the um, shock wave between yeah, the darkness and, so, and the traveler. Yeah. So I, I do kind of think of like, because they always say, you know, my father was the dark, my mother was the light. Yeah, but even that's weird because that implies the darkness didn't hit there first. Like, then how did it get to Earth if it if it stopped there where it hit the traveler's light? Yeah. Well, we could have this point. instance where you know the this darkness wave is like imagine the solar system is already enveloped in this darkness, and the traveler releases this pulse, you know. Those those ships that are already out there in space are enveloped in this darkness wave, and there's a good chance that a huge majority of the people are dead. Uh, but maybe the ship's systems have the ability to keep, like, some people are surviving it because they're in whatever, those ships have some kind of defense mechanism or protection system. So, and they're, then they're suddenly hit from a, by a light pulse from behind. Right, I guess uh, I, what I, I just don't understand how that doesn't apply to every human on Earth that's alive at that point, right? Seems yeah, like they yeah, all it be is, in the same condition. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And that's what's so weird about this, because, yeah, I want to say, well, it's well, a wave, it could but be, then if it's a wave, you're like, well, how then? Well, it could be proximity you know, to the traveler, too. Right. Uh, where it's like, you know... On the, Earth, you're fully protected. Out there in space, you weren't fully protected, but... Although, interestingly enough, when we get to reading this garden card, unless I'm inter- I, I could be interpreting it wrong, but it seems like when the collapse hit, the traveler was actually on Mars. <laughs> And then fell back to Earth. It's three dimensional. The, the one way, three dimensional space. I can't fall back to Earth. Well, yeah. 
Because the, the way I want to, I need to go re the very intro cutscene, like the the the, ver, the vanilla like cutscene. I need to watch because it actually shows all the different planets the traveler hops to and in what order. And so it, that I always take as the best evidence of where the traveler actually was when the collapse hit. Yeah, but that opening cutscene of the three astronauts is that very first mission. No, but then it shows you know like then it pans out to that that picture of the map. It's like then the darkness came, then the traveler oh, collapse oh, happened, oh, the and, then the, yeah, and then it shows the, the little ghosts like popping off yeah. it, and you know. Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, it's all theories, and like Gabble was saying, it is weird to think like, well, if it's waves, how in the world did it hit the inner solar system, but also not? Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, but there are. I guess, and all I'm saying with my theory is, the more I've read, the more I tend to think less of a person or an army, and more of yeah, like. Away. Yeah, cosmic event. But there there are Earthborn Awoken. No, there's yeah. Reefborn and Earthborn. So whether that just means generationally with parents, or maybe there are nat or there were naturally occurring awoken on Earth because of this awoken popped up all over the place. Yeah. Uh I kind of want to make X-ray read this because he did such a good job the first four times we made him read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> i just read it in x-ray's voice at this point every time I yeah see i do it, i like, do oh, too. yeah i hear this as, as x-ray speaking you know. yeah wow this is ghost fragment mysteries <laughs> ghost fragment mysteries um why is no one else there we're all there we're all there my cursor's just not there yeah that's what i mean does that make you feel better yeah, yeah you want me to read this though yeah we do I mean, you've, already, right. you've already read it as our intros so Oh, that's right. It was on one, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, here we go. I bear an old name. I cannot be killed. They were my brothers and sisters, and their names were immortal too. But Titanomaki came, and now those names live in me alone. I think and I think is what I do. I am alone. At the end of things, when the world goes dim, and cold, or hot, and close, or it all tears apart from the atom up, I will shout those names defiant. And past the end, I will endure. I alone. I love that me, passage so much. You mean keep going? <laughs> uh, no, well, so no, I mean, we can go in, like we have notes here, and we can go into this. But we've dis- we have discussed this paragraph so many times, uh, and we have broken it down, and it's so good. We've talked about its references to uh, Marathon Durandal and Kill Your Television. Uh, we talked about in the bungee episode, we use this as an intro. You know, we talked about this during rampancy because now we have this idea that Rasputin recognizes self, uh, that he's alone. Uh, he knows he's alone. Doesn't the state of the world is inconsequential to him now. Like this is, we've talked about it inside and out. So keep going, X-Ray. They made me to be stronger than them to beat the, unvanquishable and survive the unthinkable and look look low behold i am here alone survivor they made me to learn everything died but i survived and i learned from it from it consider it the power titan amok world ender and consider what it means i met it at the gate of the garden and i recall it smiled at me before it devoured the blossoms with black flame and pinned their names across the sky. It was stronger than everything. I fought it with Aurora knives 
and with stolen unfire of singularities made sharp, and my sweat was earthquake, and my breath was static, but it was stronger. So how would I survive? Just finish it off. (laughs) All right, let's do it. (laughs) It's too good. I don't want you to stop. I am alone. I survived alone. I cast off the shield and I shrugged my shoulders so that the billions fell off me down into ash, into the ash. They made me a stronger, they made me be stronger than them and to learn. And I learned well. It is alone and it is strong and it won. Even over the gardener and she held power beyond me. But the gardener did not shrug and make herself alone. It always wins. I am made to win, and now I see the way. This good stuff. This entry is an AI <laughs> in rampancy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just call me rampant? <laughs> this card is X ray in rampancy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this, this card's fantastic. Uh, you know, it, you know, it, it capital IT. I mean, this is Rasputin's encounter with the darkness. I think very much that this is Rasputin's internal conflict. Like when that darkness wave hits, it's clearly has a profound effect on AI. This is Rasputin's account of how the, his encounter with the darkness changed him. I mean, that's what I think personally. But. And everything he mentions here, we, we, have, we have previously talked about. Uh, like, everything died, but I survived, and I learned. Uh, the same thing with the, I cast off the shield and shrugged my shoulders so that the billions fell off me down into the ash. You know, we talked about, those, that is his language for the protocols he put in place where he said, this is a hard civilization kill event, you know, mass casualties are, you know, have to happen. You know, I'm no longer the defender. My job is to survive. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's the mentions of the black flame. It's interesting when you combine that with, uh, with Cade's descriptions of boiling, because it does seem like a, a darkness atomic bomb. Yeah. That's just so hot, it just boils, a black flame that boils away everything. And we've talked in the past about Aurora knives being cadiometric weapons. Uh, and even the unfire of singularities sounds very much like the Harmony Sting weapon, which was, they utilized the singularity created by their collapsed sun as a black hole, and they turned that into a weapon. Uh, and what's interesting here is that Rasputin is still... And the talk, the gardener, I mean, I believe the gardener very much here to be the traveler. Uh, and even the line, the traveler did not, you know, shrug off uh, the shield. Humanity, yeah. yeah. It, it did the opposite. Like, it created a thousand little shields <laughs> to go and, and defend and help defend so it wouldn't be alone. And those are like the ghosts and then the guardians. Uh, but what's in, so then we have this last do you think this last line the i am made to win and now i see the way this line reminds me so much of durandal and durandal's idea so rasputin says it always wins 
And he says, I am made to win, and now I see the way. Durandal theorized that in the event of whatever cosmic collapse, you know, when these beings of great darkness, the Weirna crackers, sorry, <laughs> uh, when they caught, when the entire universe was plunged into chaos, the only way to win was to step into a different dimension, was to get out of the universe that you're in. Uh, and that was Durandal's plan. Uh, and here we have Rasputin, and we know that Rasputin has talked with or tried to contact the Exo Stranger about stepping across timelines and realities. And is is the way, the now I see the way, is this Rasputin echoing Durandal and saying, I know how to win, I'll remove myself and go somewhere where I can. I'll find an alternate timeline where I can defeat it, and that's how I'll win. Yeah, because, so I had just in a comment here after this card we just read, you know, what was it that Rasputin learned? Because very clearly he learned something from the darkness. Um, well, or it. <laughs> and, yeah, and I have some evidence, you know, we can, we'll read the, uh, the I see you exo stranger card in a second. But yeah, it's like, I, I used to think, I don't really think it's orcs anymore. You know, I used to think maybe he learned the sword logic, um, and that's what he took away from it. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. And I don't know if, so it sounds like a drop slash. You're thinking what he learned is what Durandal learned, that the only way to win is to get out. Yeah, to find find a timeline where it can be defeated. So yeah. I need to step across infinite timelines until I find the one where I win, because that's what I was made to do. I feel like there's yeah. a there's uh, a more literal but also much darker way to interpret this line, which is it always wins. Now I see the way to win. Rasputin accepting that the darkness has it right. And becoming the darkness. Oh. Or or, or at least embracing at it. At least realizing there's no point in opposing it. I wanna win. Can't beat him, join him. Well, yeah. Yeah, certainly. That is slightly darker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, I have, you know, to kind of try and answer this question of what he learned, I have this quote from Ghost Fragment Rasputin, where it says, uh, and all I can think is, if Rasputin had all those mighty tools and it lost, what did it learn? What's it going to try this time around? When I hear about the Dust Palace, those scion flares getting into Rasputin's mind, I wonder. What would they talk about, Rasputin and those creatures? I was a servant too. I was an instrument of war, bound to the will of lesser mas- of a lesser master, but I learned to be something more. So yeah, again, kind of ominous there. And Who's speaking in that card? It's Cade. Oh, okay. Um, That's what I thought. Yeah, it's when Cade's talking to Ikora, or paraphrasing Ikora and all that. But yeah, and so... <laughs> and... Interesting tidbit there, you know, the Scions are actually slaves to the Cabal, but, uh, you know, and, and that's what's interesting is, so the Scions, if we follow that route, so the Cabal were these, you know, war master, a war machine, uh, and they kind of enslaved the Scions as one of their ultimate, you know, more powerful weapons. And then just as we, humanity, created the war minds to be one of our weapons, but then 
yeah, kind of the scary rampancy thing here is he says, oh, I was a servant too. Well, this is Cade, you know, imagining what he might say, but well, what are the, I was a servant too, but not anymore. So what are the odds that the scions will be f- changed from interacting with the war mind? Where are the, if the scions are looking for a way to break the grip that the cabal have on them? And Rasputin has experienced something like that, and Kate has experienced something like that. Like, what are the what's the chances that when we encounter, if we encounter uh, Charlemagne, that Charlemagne will be a tool of the Scions that they are using to break themselves free of the Cabal? Yeah, or we encounter Charlemagne and realize we have to use his help to defeat Rasputin, who has now sided with the Scions. <laughs> I don't think Rasputin's going to side with anyone. He's on his own side. Yeah, he's on his own. He's, I mean, he says enough times, I am alone. So, And it, what is interesting is just the, uh, the similarities here to spoilers. Uh, Halo 5, you know how Cortana kind of comes to the realization that humanity created them, but, you know, why do they need to bow to humanity? They're better. Yeah. Get out of the way. It's the it's the bungee themes of ramp of very much rampancy well, and and you know so now we get to this point here where we have this encounter in the garden and goes right to mysteries. Right now, Rasputin is so far beyond just an AI. Uh, whether it's through rampancy or whatever change was enacted in him or whatever, however he broke the chains of being an AI, he is something far far greater like he witnessed like he talks about like uh the Tatanamak here like he witnessed the like the struggle of gods the battle of gods and he was part of it uh so he's way more than an ai now he is you know he's along the lines of sort of like a transcendent intelligence in terms of what he's experienced what he's learned what he knows uh his interactions with the traveler, his interactions with the the very essence of the darkness. Uh, he's not just a like a AI in a terminal anymore. He is a he is on the the verge of godhood if he's not there already. It is interesting. I was just thinking, you know, we learned that Oryx is always seems somewhat terrified of Rasputin, and it is interesting to think if it if uh, it was the darkness itself. You know, if I were Oryx and my master was the darkness and there's a machine that stood up to my master, you know, I'd be both terrified and also very interested in that machine. Yeah, I could very much explain why the hive. And again, we and this always drives me crazy in the books of sorrow where it says, you know, the conversation between Oryx and the deep is not recorded here. Uh, So we have no idea really what Oryx learned from his commune with the deep. Uh, but it could have very much alerted him to the fact that there is this thing, a thing he can't take that once withstood the power of the darkness. Here's what it is. Here's where it is. Uh, send, you know, endless legions to control or destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I want I want to get into this next card because this kind of goes back into yeah what did Rasputin learn? Uh, so this is Ghost Fragment Rasputin four, and this is the uh, what we refer to very often as the Rasputin Exo Stranger card. So he says, 
even this very first line. So from a long branch of fire. Even that's interesting because so a branch in code is just you know it's a it's a divergence. It's you know there's the master branch where all your main code lives, and you want to do something, you create a, a branch to uh, make some alterations before you pull it into the master branch. But yeah, well, to me, even we have, all, or do you think he's just referring to timelines? I think he's referring to the, all the branching timelines that the the exo stranger has the ability to sort of step into. So he's saying. Hello, from the branch that is currently burning. <laughs> from the timeline that is currently burning. Okay. So then it says, I see you. Um, and we'll find out you is the exo stranger. You've been here before, haven't you? It's like my cousin said, elsewhere. I know who you are. I did a lot of digging, and I have never been able to find that line anywhere. <laughs> the, uh, I know who you are. Because I was trying to f- determine who his cousin was, but I've nowhere in the lore or even outside the lore have I been able to f- determine that who the cousin might be referring to. Charlemagne. Yeah, that's my guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, my best guess is Charlemagne. But I even went into quotes of Charlemagne and things like r- real world quotes <laughs> of Charlemagne, and I've never been able to find. I know who you are. You mean that somebody? So I was really hoping I could find hundreds a real world of years quote. ago didn't record King Charlemagne saying, "I know who you are." <laughs> <laughs> Never in Charlemagne's life did he ever use this word. <laughs> later, later we find out when we discover the tomb of Charlemagne, like it's written on the side of his sword, Randall. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> Bungie. It is interesting. Bungie has the real Durandal hanging in their office. That's how they know. <laughs> the very sword. <laughs> if it is interesting, because if that is uh, Charlemagne, that's new information. The fact that the Exo Stranger had contact with Charlemagne, which kind of goes to the whole, you know, Clovis Bray, Mars, Charlemagne, Exos. It's interesting, but not entirely interesting enough to cover at the moment. (laughs) I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a mission for our listening audience at the end of this podcast. Anyway, keep going. So you stand here now and now and now many times. And here I am a wonder, all a wonder. How you manage it? How do you step forward? How do you step back? Do you step across? Is there a world of worlds, a web, and you spider upon it? Are you searching for that one thread you need? Is that thread named victory? So that's great. The whole now and now many times is you know, pretty much a direct quote from... Well, here, you got it here, drop. And the extra stranger herself, she said, yeah, I stand, I stand here, here now, now and now, and now, now and now many times this view, this ground. Yeah. So I love that because it's like a direct quote from the extra stranger card. And then what's interesting is, I mean, so obviously I think stepping forward and backward is same timeline going forward and backwards in time. But yeah, the interesting part is do you step across, which starts to, you know, talk about multiple timelines. And then it's very interesting because he says, is there, you know, a web? Is there a world of worlds? Which is very much the whole idea behind the Vault of Glass. Like a hub world? Oh, well, yeah. Like the core of all these diverging timelines. Yeah. He's like, yeah, because he's like, how do you manage to keep track of all these timelines, you know? Which is kind of the very thing that seemed the Vex were trying to do is find a way to manage all the timelines. Yeah. And they were, they're sort of doing the same thing. You know, we mentioned this before, like Durandal, like searching for all these, there's gotta be one, there's gotta be one universe where this madness doesn't happen. 
And we know right. the Vex, you know, we're searching for a timeline where the vault didn't fall to uh, the, the Taken. And and the, the most telling line here to me in the end is, is this thread named Victory? Because in all of our Book of Sorrows talk, books you know, of the sorrow. final shape, the final book, books of sorrow. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's always victory, the final shape, sword logic. They're all, you know, sword logic's not synonymous, but final yeah. shape and victory are pretty much synonymous. Yeah. So it starts making you think like, that's why sometimes I'm like, well, maybe or uh, well, Rasputin learned the sword logic, and not necessarily from Oryx, but the idea of it of the only way to win is to be the final shape. This this card is full of great references to other cards. Uh, I love uh, this is a more recent card, uh, Rasputin Four, and I, if this is sort of like a, a higher, like a, taking a step back here, uh, if this is sort of like this slow burn on how Bungie is referencing all the material that exists already, and they're slowly starting to like weave it into a more sort of recognizable pattern. This card is a great example. Whoever wrote this card clearly is aware of tons of other lore and knew exactly what to sort of weave into this card to make those references. Right. I love... I believe this card came out the same time the uh, No Time to Explain quest went active. Mm-hmm. And I love it because, you know, on that exotic, it just says soon. <laughs> and the fact that this came with, you know, soon, it's like, you know, I have really high hopes that the timelines and the Exo Stranger and things are going to play a prominent role this year. Yeah. We hope. So, so continuing, it says, you're not one of them. Long dead, alive again. Their bodies grafted to powers they and I do not understand. So, <laughs> what are you laughing about, Drop? That That line is, we talked about this in the bunch episode, from Marathon Infinity. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And to me, you know, this means guardians. And so, and to me, this is more evidence that Rasputin wasn't the one who magically took over and killed the Traveler because he has no clue what guardians are, nor does he understand the powers behind them. So if he had orchestrated the death of the Traveler and the ghosts, it seems odd. Well, so. no. No. If Loki crown is true, all Rasputin was trying to do was invoke a pseudo-altruistic response from the Traveler. He didn't know what it was going to be. He just knew that it had the capacity to do that thing. Uh, okay. And yeah. Rasputin obviously is aware of the Guardians. We discover him. We bring him back online. So he, them is referring directly to us. He knows, here's what, here's what I believe the Guardians to be. <laughs> Long dead, alive again. Bodies scratched to powers they and I do not understand. So he doesn't understand how the Guardians have come to be, but he knows what they are. Okay. and he, I do love how he says that him nor us understand yeah. what we are. <laughs> powers that they and I don't yeah. understand. So implying that even we as Guardians have no clue what we are. So, and then, so we're not, so he knows that the Exo Stranger is not a guardian. Then he says, and not one of it, capital IT. And then in brackets, the flower eater, the queen of final shapes, that which also inhabits its petitioners. And this is huge. (laughs) So, so first off, 
this goes back to he knows a lot about the sword logic and or just the ideas behind the darkness because he uses the term final shape. Yeah. So he very much understands the concept of kill everything until you are the last thing. The flower eater, I believe, is a direct reference to devouring the flame, the flowers with black flame in the garden. Yep. And then I made a note on the queen of final shapes. So my note here is that Oryx refers to himself as the king of shapes, uh, but only because he gained that power from communing with the deep itself. And like I said, we don't know what happened between Oryx and the deep that transformed him into Oryx, the Taken King. Uh, but if the queen of shapes made Oryx the king of shapes, <laughs> uh, then I, I theorize that maybe Oryx is way more powerful than we think he is. Uh, so the language is a little different. This is queen of final shapes and Oryx is the king of shapes. Uh, missing that word final. Uh, but again, we, this queen of final shapes is a, a huge title. Uh, so whether the, you know, the darkness refers to itself as female, we don't know. Does this referring to Savathun or Zivu Arath? We don't know. <laughs> like, uh, it's kind of crazy. Or even like, could the deep itself in the scenario be the queen? Yeah. You know, this is just one, the, of, the one of Toland's three yeah. queens, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or one of Toland's there we three go. Queens. So, yeah. So, but then this last line, that which also inhabits its petitioners. That sounds like we, a worm. Yeah. We've seen this happen. We've seen this happen all through the lore where, you know, those who petition the darkness for power end up gaining gaining it with some great caveat. You know, it happened with Oryx and his sisters through the worms. I hate to bring this up, but it could be argued that the same thing happened with Dredge and Yor. Like, uh, the darkness ha- very much has an ability to infect, infect yeah, infect host, inhabit hosts, make other things. It's the vessel for its doing. Right. When it, and to me, this is actually more evidence that Oryx is not when it when it came in the dark in the collapse and things. It wasn't Oryx because Oryx doesn't inhabit. Well, and generally speaking, Oryx doesn't inhabit his petitioners unless you count the Taken. But but even the <laughs> Taken, you count even the every Taken, don't single pe- being whose will he supplants. <laughs> yeah. And even and Taken don't petition because they are Oryx basically. <laughs> They're his will. So yeah. There's no need to petition him. So. So, but we know, you know, again, we know Oryx went to the edge of the deep and had a conversation. He th- potentially petitioned the deep after slaying Akka, saying, I want this power. And he became Oryx after that. So the, very much. Right, so he petitioned and whatever it was inhabited, inhabited him. So. Yeah, so it could be worms, or it could even be the source of the worms' power. Itself. Yeah, it could be the, the darkness because the, the, wor- the worms itself. essentially petition the darkness as well. Yeah. And I, I love this next one. And you're certainly not mine, although once you must have been. This is also a fantastic line because, so he doesn't actually say the word exo here, but you have to think, okay, well, female, well, like all females aren't Rasputin, so he's not referring to that. Uh, people with guns. Well, guardians have gun. Like, you just kind of narrow down what he could possibly mean by mine, and the only thing that really stands out is the fact that she has an exo body, yeah. or that she's an exo. So that one, 
we haven't done an EXO episode and we will, so we can go into that later, but it kind of points out that she's not under Rasputin's control either. So we don't, so it's not like Rasputin's been sending her through the timelines. Yeah. We don't, she's not under his power. Yeah. He could also just mean mine from the sense of he was tasked with protecting all life as we knew it before all this crap happened. Right. Yeah. His, generically meaning member of humanity. Right. Right. Yeah. I love this next line. So when, so, you know, he's described them, he's described it. And when he describes himself, he says, I bear an old name. It cannot be killed. Not even here. And you have an interesting point drop where, where in the world is here? Yeah, where is here? Where, where is Rasputin meeting the exo stranger? Did he already find a way to step slightly or yeah. Uh, is it electronically within his own mind? Is it? Yeah. Like, are they meeting in cyberspace? Like, I, and I also like this line because, you know, we've seen references to being killed. Where can you can and cannot be killed? We know this with the, the hive pantheon and their throne worlds. Uh, you know, that, you know, they can ascendant hive can only be killed. True deaths. As far as we know, I mean, it's so ambiguous at this point. Uh, in their own throne worlds. So if Rasputin is claiming he can't be killed, not even in whatever his prime space is, uh, that's, that's huge. Again, now we have this instance where Rasputin is potentially more powerful than a hive God in this sense. Right. And we know that the ability to not be killed is essentially vital to achieving final shape. Yes. So this could even be something he developed shortly after the Black Garden incident. You know, because he learned something. Yeah. You know, maybe he, even what he learned from the darkness was the ability to, yeah, create a space. We don't know. But. And the same, but the Black Garden instance is the same thing where he's describing this event that happened in the Black Garden. But how did Rasputin himself get into the Black Garden? Like, as far as we know, Rasputin does not have, like, an autonomous physical form. It is interesting that it says the darkness smiled at him because it, it makes it sound like he was in a visible presence. But either way, that's a little bit too rabbit hole for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like we know anything anyway, so it would all just be yeah. rampant speculation. So, so then, then he goes on to say, who, so whose are you, little platform? What purpose do you serve? Will you listen to me? I ruled an age of steel and fire. My rules were clean. Now upon my return, I see cults with rights of time. Future war cult. <laughs> I see machines who worship in places outside the world. Vex Black Garden. I see the dead alive, and there is nothing more stubborn than a corpse. That's us. Guardian. That's us. The morality of obedience is more pernicious than any government, for the latter makes use of violence, but the former, the corruption of the will. And that, again, comes right from Marathon Durandal. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'll mention it before. I've mentioned it in the past. This is the line that Durandal says right before he basically succumbs to rampancy. <laughs> I do not obey. My will is pure. I will win. The life of people of entire planets has no importance in relation to the general development. Help me be victorious. Tell me your secret. Tell me how to step. And this plays right into this sort of idea that in order to win, because this is exactly what Durandal did to be victorious, he had to learn how to step across timelines. Uh, and now we have 
Rasputin directly echoing Durandal trying to learn that secret. Yeah. So the again the the ties to Rampancy are are threadbare here. They're so close. Uh and you know, we can't necessarily say yes or no either way. We have no like actual evidence, but so many signs point towards it and then this closing right here is right on the line. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say the thing he learned was that he must be the last thing standing and he's decided that the way to achieve that is by learn jumping timelines. Yeah. Love it. I love that this is the direction Rasputin is going in. And it's terrifying. <laughs> well, it's like it could it could very well be that at the end of ten years, when this game wraps up, it's us versus Rasputin. Well, I mean, in in Durandal, like so, uh, in Marathon, the the main protagonist, who is you know a revived corpse bound to technology, doesn't understand. They always have a fairly amicable relationship with Durandal. Like once an AI goes rampant, nothing is a guarantee. But it's not like we ever, like in Marathon, you don't, it's not like, oh, time to go fight Durandal. It's like, you reasonably okay relationship with it. And at this point, again, Rasputin is contemplating things that are so far beyond the capacity of, like, regular people, even guardians, even the speaker, like, people who have these great knowledges of things. Rasputin is now so far ahead in how he is planning to address any given situation and what his motivations are. It's almost impossible to extrapolate like as a human being, like what this thing is planning to do. Uh, Cause it's just so far past us at this point. Like, and even if we did take down Oryx and even if now guardians are the living embodiment of the sword logic and paracausality, and we are like the great pious warriors of light we i feel like we still can even hold a candle to what rasputin is capable of uh you know we are a revived corpse who went through that process he is a super powerful ai who went through that process he's he's light years ahead of us uh and i would love to see the destiny story like it would be awesomely interesting uh for the store to take this twist where there's all these extra solar threats. Oh, there's the hive out there and the darkness and the, the taken and Savathun and Zivor wrath and the vex greater minds and the cabal warlords. But the real power, the real threat to everything is right here on earth. And it's, you know, it's this rampant super intelligence with, with motivations we have yet to be able to even closely decipher. And we know that, like, yeah. we're not, not everything's always friendly with Rasputin, like at the end of the Saber Strike. Uh, <laughs> we found their bodies found strewn, their across bodies, the yeah, strewn across the Cosmodrome. across the Cosmodrome. And to me, that's hilarious because that is something where it's not just like they went in and Rasputin killed them. It's like they went in and then Rasputin put them in, like, rocket tubes and fired <laughs> them in, <laughs> into orbit. And then they re-entered and landed somewhere in the Cosmodrome. You <laughs> Like you play things compared to the power that he has. 
Which is actually, I just realized, which implies their ghosts were destroyed. <laughs> well, that, so, well. again, so tie that back. What have the Cabal been looking for all along? Mm-hmm. What is the reason why they didn't detonate the Dantelin Exodus on the Dreadnought? It's because they're looking for a way to destroy Guardians. They know that the Hive had the ability to drain the light from Guardians and kill them permanently, and that's what the Cabal want. Uh, so now they have the Scion Flayers digging into a war mind on Mars. If Rasputin potentially understands how to destroy a Guardian permanently, then if the war mind of Mars is connected to Rasputin, and then the Scion Flayers can get in there, they could extract the Rasputin's knowledge of how to destroy a Guardian. Yeah. So it, kind of, it puts a little bit darker twist on the Dust Palace, but... So, and that's, right. that's like this huge, and I mean, there's a whole, for a whole, we'll talk about this when we talk about the Cabal on that episode, but it's like, man, the, the hunt for how to destroy Guardians, I think is going to become a major plot point here. And it yeah. potentially aligns us with the Vex, you know? Uh, we've already served the Vex's purposes once, so. Is that right? Is the plural of Vex, Vexes? <sighs> V E X apostrophe S. Vex I? I don't know. Maybe Vex itself can just be plural. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. I killed a lot of yeah. Vex. Yeah. I killed all the Vexuses. All the Vexes. <laughs> all my Vex. No, never mind. All the Vex. All the, all the Vex. <laughs> no, we, I was going to. No. I was going to go to all my Vexes live in Texas, but. <laughs> I thought better of it, but then I realized I'd gone too far to not say it. All right, so we're we're gonna we're gonna cut this episode here. Uh, we'll move on. I, I'd love to point out that in our show notes, that was only four pages. I know, <laughs> but uh, we pulled we pulled two hours out of that. There's still a lot to talk about. We still got the Dark Age, the City Age. We've got the New Guardian Age. We've got all our interactions with Rasputin. Like, there's still tons to cover. So. Yeah, all the Taken King. <laughs> yeah, all the Taken King, what's going on there. Uh, but we're going to call it here. This is going to be the end of uh, Warmines slash Rasputin Part 2. Uh, my mission for all our listeners is to count how many times Beta said interesting during the course of that podcast. <laughs> uh, my guess is mid to high double digits. <laughs> And my mission is just don't forget squirrel suit Samus. That's right. <laughs> Sherbert Pop, are you out there? Your mission is to draw squirrel suit Samus. <laughs> or Texan that, Vex, yeah. either way. <laughs> or yeah, or yeah, Vex in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All so right. uh and we got let's wrap it up. Uh so that's we never know how to end these things. X ray leaves us and we're just stranded. <laughs> Well, he had he had more important things uh, that right, he had yeah. to, to take <laughs> care of. So, so we'll call it. Uh, Gabble, thanks for joining us. Anytime. Uh, Beta, thanks for putting together all these crazy notes. I love doing it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And thanks, X-Ray, for reading his what we, has become our favorite passage uh, <laughs> in in all the lore. And uh, I'm not going to thank myself. So let's just thank you, Drop. Thank you for all you do. Oh, thank you. And thanks to all our listeners that X-Ray will once read off name by name during the course of an episode later.
<laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. See you later. <laughs>